Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to The Good, The Bad, and The Geeky, a podcast where I sit down with some of my friends in the local Columbus, Ohio theater, film, and improv scene and talk a bunch of geeky stuff. Some of it good, some of it bad, but all of it definitely geeky. If you enjoy our program, be sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and to leave a review or subscribe wherever you can get podcasts. Our official sponsor of the show is Audible. With over 200,000 titles to choose from, get one audiobook and two Audible originals each month included with your trial, even once your trial ends and normal membership begins. Best part is you own your library, meaning you keep the books even if you cancel with easy exchanges. So if you don't love a book, swap it out for free anytime. Sign up for your free trial over at audibletrial.com forward slash goodbadgeeky. Download the Audible app and start enjoying your new audiobook now. Also, support for this podcast has been made possible by our Kickstarter backers, Ashley Carson, Catherine Ranella, Wooz, Yannick, Doug Poeta, Christopher LeBlanc, Andrew, Kenny, Jerome Wetzel, Casey May, Anonymous, Tavia Ordway, Anthony Portillo, Jen and Brian Petrie, Guest 16554254418, Laura Spires, Kimberly Barr, Kyle Jepson. We here at The Good, The Bad, and The Geeky want to advise listeners that this episode was recorded during the pandemic between the end of 2019 and the end of 2020. In this episode, I am here with... Amanda! Oh, God! Kyle! Jessica. Oh, and Jessica. As we sit down and we talk about The Muppet Christmas Carol, <laughs> on this episode, guys, we're nailing this intro. On this episode <laughs> of The Good, that. The Bad, and The Geeky. And a word of warning that there will be spoilers aplenty, not just on this, and well, pretty much anything The Muppets that we talk about, and Christmas Carol. So, uh, yeah. listener, beware. Uh, and if there's anything you want to say about Christmas Carol, The Muppets, or The Muppet Christmas Carol, join in on the conversation by interacting with us via social media or email. Twitter and Instagram is username goodbaggeeky or email me at goodbaggeeky at gmail.com. We may read your comment on a future episode of the show. All right. So everyone, we are going to talk about The Muppet Christmas Carol, which was it was supposed to be the first film at the beginning of the Disney Muppet merger, which actually didn't happen until many years later. It's also the first film that is unfortunately after Richard Hunt and Jim Henson passed away. So there's a lot writing on the film personally, I would say, and also professionally for the Muppet gang. And of course, it's a Christmas Carol, which in itself, at the time we're recording, it's like a few days before Christmas, it's a very, it's very present. It's very, you know, around us at mm -hmm. all times or because Christmas is here. And then also it's weird because it's, we're recording this during COVID pandemic because, you know, thumbs up, but, but there's a lot of things that are interesting about Christmas Carol, uh, Muppet Christmas Carol in particular, just because it's trying to do a Muppet thing. It's also trying to do the Christmas Carol and it's also, so there's a lot writing on the film in terms of what it's trying to accomplish. And we're gonna hopefully talk about that and see if it works. We might talk about some other Christmas carols too. So I wanna start off with Amanda. What did you think of the film? I mean, because we, we just also rewatched it with the, uh, the, the scene that was not initially in the theatrical version when love is gone. So we'll go around and Amanda, what did you think? Yeah. So I fucking love this movie. Like I honestly though, I had never seen the love is gone scene before tonight. Oh wow. Really? Okay. Awesome. Yep. I had never seen it, and I do think it's a good addition, as I cried. And Kyle was looking like, what the hell is going on? A good on? addition? But I, no, I grew up on this. Like, my brother and I watched it all the time. It was, we had the VHS, 
And we had it in my dad's conversion van that had the VCR and the TV in the back. And so this is one that we watched a lot because we would have like four or five movies in there. And this is one of the ones we watched like on repeat, even outside of Christmas time. The live action Jungle Book was one, you know, there's some of those that we just watched over and over again. Jason Scott Lee. Yes. Yes. By the way, just to point out, I think of that movie. I haven't rewatched it since I was in high school, but my memory of it is that I greatly enjoyed that movie. I love that movie. And I don't know if it's my nostalgia going, no, it was a great movie. And then if I rewatched it, I was like, oh, was it, Nick? Was it? But my, what movie was this? So around the night, probably around the same time Muppet Christmas yeah. Carol came out, Disney did a live action version of The Jungle Book by Kipling. And uh, yeah. Disney. Oh, with Hot Mowgli? Yeah. yeah. Hot Mowgli. Yes. Hot, Hot Mowgli. Mowgli. Okay, and okay. John Cleese is in it too. He plays dad. like Lena Headley's dad. He's like the dad. Yeah, I remember this because it was like it's like one of the very, very few good live action Disney like anything's right. Honestly, yeah, yeah, like that's the well. Well, so that's the interesting thing too to point out. I actually enjoyed the Favreau Jungle Book. I thought they actually did a considering that they were remaking the animated movie and not the book like the live act the 90s version was. I have Mm -hmm. a lot of I rewatched the animated film. It's a bunch of segments that are just seemingly tied together. Which mm-hmm. I, in, in, from my memory, that's what the book was too. But like, you still kind of need a narrative, a better narrative. And I think Favreau found that. But anyway. And like Favreau, I feel like he just doesn't really have a great grasp on how to tell a story in our day of December 21st, 2020. He's just not going to do a whole lot. Uh, I don't yeah, know. You're, you're right. You're right. I don't. I just like, like I, I feel like he has a lot of potential. I just don't know. <laughs> I don't know where he's going to go. I just don't know. Oh my God. That is, that is so layered. <laughs> it's beautiful. A chef's kiss. I mean, this right. would have been, been layered in like, when did 28, 2008, when did the original Iron Man come out? When like, I was like, John Favreau is doing a superhero movie. Yeah, that was like 2008. <laughs> And I was like, oh, they're doing a super. Oh, it's good. Oh, it has Robert Downey Jr. Entire new. But I mean, I think it's like really clear that John Favreau does not know how to do anything. He only made my favorite all-time Christmas movie. It's cool. He also like didn't you know (laughs) figure out like how to like. I feel like among like chefs and Amanda, you're. You know this because, like, you're a Bon Appetit fan, but, like, I feel like a lot of chefs feel like Jon Favreau did chef movies right, too. Yes. Uh, They're always like, oh, that's correct. Can I just, again, we're still on this random tangent. Can I just point out, though, that my favorite part of that movie, and I can't ever look at it right, and it's like a running joke between my wife and I, is anytime... I see a lava cake. I just instantly think to it's like fucking hard. It is fucking hard. It is to do a lava cake. You have it be molten hot in the inside and just nicely warm on the outside. Fuck you or whatever. I just think of that. And I just, Oh yeah. No, anytime I see a lava cake nowadays, I'm just like, I'm kind of turned on and I'm like, Oh, that's, that's hot. That's hot. And the best part is like, not only do you feel for him in that moment, you also feel for Oliver Platt. Cause he's like, Oh shit. We're seeing a meltdown, like, and I'm the cause of it, kind of. Anyway, so anyway, so Kyle, what did you think of the Muppet Christmas Carol? Let's see. I I wouldn't go so far as to say, like, I saw this movie in theaters and I've loved it since then. But I definitely own this movie in, like, the white clam case, like, 
typical you know disney packaging i don't know what you would call it but yeah, what do they call that that's it but yeah yeah that. clam case is like i think it's it could i think it's clam case i could be wrong but yeah oh my god just this movie has been a part of me growing up until now i just i love it so much it's so good and it like it hits all the feels and i love it so much awesome all right well jess what did you think of of the um, film so i loved it i actually haven't had never seen this movie until last year when Colleen was like how have you not seen this movie and she put it on the tv in front of me and I sat and watched it and went home and bought the album and you're such a movie person Jess that I you've never seen this like boggles my mind Kyle I love the Muppets like I used to watch the Muppet show all the time and the Muppet Babies and all of the Muppet movies and I have I you didn't see this until your 30s like not Good. at all it would be one thing it'd be one thing if Jess was like I've never seen the Muppet Wizard of Oz I would be like that's fine that just see the Muppet Wizard of Oz because it's terrible <laughs> but I've seen that one I've seen Muppets in Space like I've seen them all so wait you've also seen Muppet Treasure Island I fucking love Muppet Treasure Island. of all the weird things I just feel Muppet like is still Muppet oh my goodness <laughs> Treasure Island I I maintain is where my kind of weird sexual attraction to Tim Curry came from. That's where it started. Okay. Exactly. It's like, it's kind of where I was like, Oh, who is this? Yeah. I love this. I love it. I, you know, I love the Muppets and Michael Caine looks like he's having a hell of a good time making this movie. So, which is a hard thing to do too, because he also, and this is why I know sometimes people watch something and they go, well, that was an Academy award winning performance, but I feel like he might not should have won, but he should have at least been nominated just because, it's really hard to act with the Muppets. He's doing this weird little dance, which if you notice, he's like totally into it at that point. It's just like <laughs> I did on stage when I played a 50s mom in high school. Literally, that's like anytime I want to be awkward, I do like the Michael Caine dance from the Muppets. It's really hard to act with Muppets just for the sheer like technicalities that you have to go through. Yeah. I remember reading an article about like ALF and how the people hated working on ALF because it's like trapdoors all over the fucking place. So if you step wrong, you're going to die. And like, all oh, of God. Well, That's I also I'm heard rumors about. that the guy who plays ALF is a fucking douchebag. Well, uh, yeah. well, beyond even that, it, it kind of goes like, have you ever seen like, we're talking early Sesame Street, like, 1970s hmm. which sesame yeah. street those are technically muppets they are oh, they are oh, they yeah. are but like you have those cute like where kermit is with like a blonde child and it's like a b c you are cookie monster that's like, not the right thing it's a b c d e f cookie and, like yeah. it's like that and like those are technically muppets and you oh god you see that stuff and it's so I've wonderful probably seen every freaking movie jim henson had a hand in except this movie. that is so magnificent because well, like jessica i like i i would i view you as an as an authority on movies so amanda you too don't, i'm sorry i didn't mean oh, to be no again <laughs> Amanda, you've actually seen them up at Christmas Carol yeah, before you're 30. So, you know, it makes sense. My favorite uh, Muppet movie almost outside of the original one. But like, I, I don't know why I was just being a grumpy Gus, an old man young of the class. I was mad that they were carrying on Kermit without Jim Henson. I was so I was just I was that bitter, like, well, I don't like it. I don't like it. Blah, 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 blah. And by the time I finally really watched it, I saw it probably like maybe five years after high school. And I was like, this is actually a really good movie. And now I love it every year. Like we, we watch it. We have to watch it. And I'm also that stickler who goes. So my wife bought the Blu-ray because I'm me and she knows me. And she's like, well, let's upgrade our version. And <laughs> it does not have the when love is gone on it. 
And so I have to watch a crappier DVD version of the transfer, <laughs> but I, I don't care. It's just like, I, it's the same thing with Return of the Jedi. I refuse to watch Vader screen. No, I just refuse. And even though the other Blu-rays are actually, I think pretty good. I don't, I can stomach them. I don't with any changes. I can't do the Blu-ray of Return of the Jedi. It's the same thing here. I, I can't do it. So Nick, Nick, what I'm hearing is you want the German version where he falls down and screams do not want <laughs> oh my god is that seriously what he says there is no i'm sorry god fucking star wars fans don't fucking come for me because there was some kind of like pan pacific like japanese chinese some kind of like dub or sub that basically and you can look this up where during episode three when they reveal darth vader and instead of like at the end where he screams no the subtitle literally reads do not want yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if someone badly translated something. Oh, and it was like, there was something like where they put it through like, you know, like three different levels of like English to Japanese or some language back to English. And there's like this weird like five tier where nothing makes sense. And basically it turned like no to do not want. And there are so many like hilarious kind of like weird bad translations that are amazing well you know and here's the thing uh, and i'm gonna tie this into christmas carol you just wait for it i understand <laughs> wanting to as a creative wanting to present the best work in the vision that you saw it in but sometimes i don't necessarily understand how lucas approaches things sometimes like or or i, I mean and hopefully i've heard disney is going to a, a attack it from we're going to release all the different ver well all the main different versions at some point so we can get your money and of course i will be like oh the original theater version of star wars i will pay money for that buy uh, it all over again exactly i will gladly pay come over i have the vhs let's just, let's watch them yeah, yeah. So in terms of christmas carol though the original version was the only thing and i don't i'm surprised he didn't learn his lesson katzenberg who was still at disney at the time he said that when love is gone needed to be cut from the film and he and it's not that he didn't like the song it's just that kids are going to get bored um, and I don't know if they did a test screening and that was the case but he's like it's also slow the pacing of the movie just comes to a halt and you need to you need to cut it and he goes but you're Brian Henson you do whatever you want to do and Brian being I think that was his first major film that he directed it like, was after his father's death yeah my brother and I were talking about it last week yeah this is what we do in our normal <laughs> lives is talk about Muppets he there was an article recently about this which is kind of what started the whole thing too of, of we got to watch the one love is found version of the because apparently katzenberg's like and if you do cut it here's the trade-off i will let you put it in every future home release how you meant it to be seen but for theatrical purposes so we can make more money let's cut it out and apparently it was only in the vhs transfer and then the first dvd transfer and then it was just completely lost and they supposedly found the negative so they can digitally clean it up and Put it to the full cut so they're doing like a 4k edit thank god but that's what i remember is like i had that clamshell vhs you know of muppet christmas of muppet christmas carol and i remember like watching it and being like really wrecked by when love is gone oh yeah i mean it's a powerful and it's one of those weird things it wasn't until i started dating sarah because we would watch it every year i wouldn't watch it every year at that point when i started dating sarah we would watch it every year and it just i don't know why it didn't really hit me before or i would remember it, it was the thematical purpose of it is just so important. Not only does it wreck you when Mike, it really wrecks you when Michael Caine sang. 
because yes. dude can't sing that yeah. well, but he does it wonderfully in that because he's Michael Kine. Yeah. No, Lucky. him like him singing behind her, like me being very young, I remember like watching that and going, Oh God, I don't want this. God. Which we're not gonna go into like the therapy reminder of like why, you know, that happened. But I remember like watching that and going, like, this is wonderful. I never want this to happen to me. <laughs> yeah. And it's heartbreaking too, because then at the end of the movie, they do the whole when love is found and it's a, uh... no, that's the thing. When I was watching it, I was like, it makes sense because it's literally, it, the, it's like mirrored at the end. Yeah. It's and the follow through also... of like, they have when love is gone. And like, when you do the reprise of it, it makes no, like, especially with what they're doing right now, it makes no GD sense, which Nick is going to go into my, we'll say controversial opinion yeah. of the song i think they could have cut to keep that song in well oh. and it doesn't make sense that they're like oh this kids won't like this my favorite movie as a two-year-old was the land before time i watched the sound of music and dirty dancing every day well you also gotta remember katzenberg was also the genius that said you know i like the song but you need to cut a part of your world from little mermaid yeah Queen. katzenberg katzenberg yeah. is the person who like you know, we'll say championed direct VHS sequels, which led us to like wow. Cinderella 2. Well, but we got the Lion King 2 out of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were like among the few dozen, there were like maybe one or two good ones. Scary Curtain! Sorry. So in the, the fuck? that's a thing in my family. So the, the direct to video Christmas sequel to Beauty and the Beast, Tim Curry bring it back around he ah. voices the organ but when my little sister faith was little she called it the scary curtain and so every time i think of that movie i think of tiny faith we like the scary curtains oh my goodness that's I'm just amazing. thinking of all these movies we grew up on. Like, I loved The Dark Crystal, Labyrinth, like, oh. slow as fuck. Like, The Secret of Nim, anything. To yeah. Well, no. and here's the thing. I don't know if they've ever released Jim Henson's initial genius plan for The Dark Crystal. Because I, I rewatched the Netflix. It was on Netflix when they did the sequel series. I rewatched the original and all the Skiznicks or whatever, they have subtitles or Xs. They have the subtitles for when they talk. But Jim Henson's original plan was, because I read his biography, he was just like, I want to show the art of puppetry that you don't need dialogue that you can understand. So no, so yeah, because apparently they asked him like, well, what are they saying? And he's like, well, you just have to watch the movie and that you visually will tell. And it's like, no, and because some of it's just like, they're doing exposition about the crystal and you're just like, buff so i would be interested too to see jim henson did the ninja turtle movie and i would love to see the original edit the ending the original <laughs> ending yeah oh my god yeah uh he didn't like the violence in the first movie but uh, he did all the the jim henson's muppet stuff the concept work or the they did muppets? the technically the turtles are muppets yeah. and splinter yeah. kevin clash who does elmo they, is the uh, voice uh, of Splinter. Yeah, like he performs like him and like two other people perform Splinter like an old like kind of like Swedish chef kind of deal with a little bit more animatronics. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, uh, Jim Henson workshop, isn't it? Before with most of them were taken out by Hunter? CGI. Wow. Yeah, my boy Max I mean, Muppets, Rebo. He's my favorite. Muppet started out on yeah. SNL too. The first season of SNL, there were Muppets. Yes, there yeah. were. Thank you, Nick. Feel free to fucking cut this out. But literally, I found my VHS trilogy of the first Star Wars movies, and I like called my mom to be like, "Do you have a VHS player?" Like, because that's literally like no I don't want to replay 
the original trilogy in like the crappy cgi remake well some of it is just it's weird man yeah we're going on this tangent sorry it's really weird that they do the whole like Cy snoodles and her band like that's one of the weirdest (laughs) puppets ever weirdest designs ever and they pull it off and it's all like puppetry and i don't mind that they added the song in it's just that it's all cgi and that's the thing that kind of makes me just sad about that but it's like there's one thing if it's like there's one thing if it's like good but god that cgi is so of its time it's kind of painful to watch is my big thing yeah anywho yeah so uh, the song that that Kyle said was controversial that she would cut is weirdly enough my favorite song which is why I was like oh we definitely gonna talk about this because it's the song that always makes me cry outside of when love is gone it like if, if it's like a one-two punch if I ha- depending on how I'm feeling during the day like I cried during that and I cried during things when we were watching it tonight but sometimes it for whatever reason like I'm, I don't cry during when love is gone oh I definitely cried during the uh, the tiny Tim song and yeah no I don't like it I Actually, they're very similar they are thank you and like I also think that could be swapped out for when love is gone and it would be fine I feel like you don't need sympathy for the tiny Tim family aka Kermit and Miss Piggy you don't need it because you're gonna have but it I think it's crucial to showing Scrooge's arc because that's where he really starts to soften is seen you know because they've just insulted him and he's kind of sad again but then he sees oh they all love each other and that's where I feel like he starts to really crystallize that Christmas spirit at the end of the Christmas present day no I know that's fair that's really fair it doesn't mean you don't cannot like the song I I mean yeah I'm not trying to say like I hate like I'm like I disagree like you're totally right Amanda I just I feel like There was a good middle ground between Bless Us All and between When Love Is Gone. Well, and that's the other thing, too, is that you got to think about is that and I understand from a business decision too why Katzenberg was saying that is there's no Muppets in the scene. You have Muppets, all of them or at least one of them singing in some of the other songs or, you know, what I mean. but in that one, you don't have any at all. And when they do show up, it's at the end of the song. Which is good. I think Henson did a good job of that. He did not, Brian did not have, because that shouldn't be the focus is Gonzo and Rizzo doing jokes during that's, it's an emotional heartbeat of the film. So well, my big thing is when they cut it out, it basically went from their, their conversation pre-song where they're like, well, we oh. can't afford a house. Da-da. And then like, literally it's Belle going you did once and walking away and then like Rizzo and Gonzo it makes like it's such a weird jump in emotion like that just a week or so ago and it I mean I think it it can make sense but it does because they're crying but so is Scrooge and you're like oh man her saying you did once really killed him whoa like <laughs> yeah I guess it's just such talk a about young Scrooge like they could have at least like oh. maybe a chorus of it and it's kind of it's kind of the same thing with, with bless us all like they could have maybe shortened it they could have done something else with it like yeah. you didn't need both songs full length in there but you needed something from each and removing either or like because don't get me wrong. I don't think Bless Us All is great, but I still appreciate that it's in the movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. And I think that <laughs> if there's a part of me that kind of feels like you could have 
cut bless us i i'm a, completely against that by the way but i'm saying if you want to have your cake and eat it too you could have done that and just replaced it with the scene of him saying the stuff that he is singing about but a little bit more condensed that way because i mean to build on what amanda was saying it's really there yeah it softens scrooge up but it also shows that someone who has the world i mean because that's the whole point of tiny tim i think it muppet christmas carol is also and just in general is one of the few carol christmas carols that in my opinion, really make Tim only has like what 10 minutes, not even 10 minutes of screen time in every version of Christmas Carol, or it's very small. And I, I feel like it packs more of a while up here because kind of because of that. And it's what linchpin Scrooge in. I, the only other thing I can think of, and maybe it's because I grew up with it, was Mickey Christmas Carol. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, w I will agree with that. Absolutely. And it's a weird, it's a very weird thing because you would figure that. Tiny Tim is the linchpin to Scrooge and that it would be a little bit more. But to be fair, though, too, Christmas Carol in general is hard because everyone tries to do it. Everyone does a variation of it, whether it be completely weirdly off base, like the, the Doctor Who one, which mm -hmm. I actually enjoy, too. But, you know, there is no Tiny Tim, per se. There's a girl that has like a disease and is dying and is like the love. But it's like Belle and Tiny Tim are combined in that version. But but again, so unless you have a variation like that and you move that aside, the core basics that there's a Tiny tim it's hard to do and the other ones aren't bad it's just that it's it doesn't sometimes have the same emotional wow up. also i love scrooge mcduck so anytime you have scrooge mcduck you know his heart melts and shows how good of a ducky oh i'm tearing up well and nick i was gonna say like yeah. the mickey christmas carol definitely is kind of up there with like my top five mm -hmm. of like the christmas carol like weirdly enough allegories i don't know what to call them i tend to watch it back to back with this one right like those are that one and i feel like scrooged with bill murray are the in the top five for me yeah well let's go to that jess and we'll start with you what are the top five Christmas Carol, or as far as you can go up to five, if you can't think of, of any, what are your top five? Prior to this, the only version that I've seen that I actually enjoy is Mickey's Christmas Carol. And I rewatched it like a week ago and it is like lightning fast. 30 minutes. We're done. And also, and also that ghost of Christmas future is on par with like being terrifying for the Muppet Christmas Carol. Like Muppet Christmas Carol also with a, a Scrooge, like ghost of Christmas future is freaking terrifying. He is so terrifying. Yeah. I've never seen Scrooge. I've never seen, I'm trying to think because we like used to have them at the video store, like all in a line, like all the Christmas carols. And I can't remember if I've seen any of the other ones. I don't like the Jim Carrey one that much because it's like that early CGI dead eyed stare that they all have. And I'm like, I'll just watch Mickey. It's fine. Yeah. Here's where I'm kind of weird because like when Nick, when you posted, I was like, what Jim Carrey special? Oh. I, yeah. I have no idea what this is. Oh, oh you've never seen the Jim oh, Carrey Christmas Carol? Robert Zemeckis directed. It, it, it's on Disney Plus, Kyle. It's the same time as like Polar Express came out. Like, it was a few years Harry. later, same yeah. director. Does it have the same uncanny valley? Yeah, like, bit. oh, it does. Oh, Nothing no. It's not as bad as Polar Express because it's a few yes. years later. So, so we'll talk about this too about this a little bit in that the Muppet Christmas Carol is one of the few now I have admittedly and ashamedly had never read all of a Muppet or not Muppet Christmas Carol of Charles Dickens uh, the original five staves of the Christmas Carol I've not read them I've read like snippets of them and it's usually in relation to how the Muppet Christmas Carol is considered the one that is the most 
faithful to the book because they actually use text outside everyone mm -hmm. tends to use the one either two lines from the book which is uh you want to decrease the surplus population and the other one is uh you are nothing more but like a moldy piece of cheese or an upset whatever and cool whatever but outside of that christmas muppet christmas carol is usually pretty faithful the only thing i don't think they do is uh, ignorance and want but nobody ever really does that one except for the Jim Carrey version, if anything. And even I think years later, Dickens was like, I shouldn't have put those two in. I think that's why most people cut them out because the ghost of Christmas present does a weird thing where he's very jolly. And right before he leaves, supposedly in the book too, he kind of becomes kind of sinister and evil and reveals under his robe the children of ignorance and want and how you don't want that in the present. And they try yeah. to, they become like zombies and they try to pull them into the robe or something like that. It's it weird. Is. It is. Mm -hmm. And I get it. It's a ghost story. And that's why I think Dickens included it. But outside of that scene, it's really the only reason to watch the Jim Carrey version is just because of that. And no offense to Carrey. I think Carrey vocally does a good job acting, but they yeah, the well, CGI and he is plays more than just Scrooge. Like he plays All multiple roles in it. Yeah, he plays the Christmas ghosts. Uh, well, the third one doesn't talk, but I think the other two do. I think he plays the children of ignorance of one, and he doesn't play Cratchit. That's played by Gary Oldman, which yeah. his design in that movie, is, it throws me off. It's weird, too. I don't like that. Uh, anyway. What you're saying is it's not like the Matthew Morrison Grinch where he's like overtly sexual. Oh, I saw it trending on Twitter. And I saw a picture of it and I small like a 30 second clip and I was like, Amanda, oh. you horrified. Mom tried to get me to watch it with her and Carlos. And I saw that Max the dog was played by a human who was sitting in a chair and like in a hot toddy. And I was like, I'm out. Oh my God. Can't do this shit. You seem equally horrified. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it's such a weird man. It's such a weird thing. But Christmas Carol, Muppet Christmas Carol is very faithful to was trying i mean my god the marley well marley was dead to begin with is how the whole book i mean that's a hell of a first line and again the twist here is that it's waldorf and statler so it's the marley's were dead to begin with. i do yeah. love how they adapted the the story to like include the marley's to be waldorf and statler like that was wonderful i also sorry you finished kyle well no i I was going to say, like, later on for any Muppet historians, the entire reason, like, Rizzo and Gonzo were in Muppet Treasure Island with icon Tim Curry was because of this movie. They, like, wanted to try to recreate the power of this. And they have some similar, like, they have, they carry on the line where it's like, how does she do that? But yes. you would never think Gonzo would be a good choice for narrator. But he's perfect. He's the perfect choice for narrator. He is. Well, I think a lot of people think Gonzo, and I, maybe it's, I grew up with Muppet Babies, a two on ABC Saturday morning. So, mm -hmm. and that was where the whole weirdo thing, they started calling him a weirdo because they were trying to make him, give him an origin of some kind. Cause if not, he's just, they call him weird in the Muppet show and the Muppet movie. He's just weird. He's not a weirdo and that's his kind of, I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I think that was one of the things maybe I was just kind of, about because gonzo's second banana he's not the first and so it but i'm wrong i was wrong he's great first banana technically and technically he's not even really the first banana he's but he is technically the storyteller he's the lead and he does a really good job with it dave golas is a gonzo and then steve whitmer may he continue success outside of the muppets because he's not there anymore he was a really good rizzo the rat too i'm actually very sad that 
Whitmire is not involved with the Muppets anymore, but supposedly he's a dick behind the scenes. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of the same with like Frank Oz. Like, oh, don't you tell me Frank Oz is a dick. Well, uh, apparently he was a dick with kind of, Nick. Can you help me here? Well, with uh, Jason Siegel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. So, with like with the, the new Muppet movies, like he was kind yeah. of a douchebag about it. And like, yeah. it's fine. It's fine because he's very old school. It's whatever. I, I think the difference though is that and this is where so Kyle's not wrong at that at, at all is that when they so Jason Siegel was a big Muppet fan and so that's why like I think Jess and you and I we kind of mentioned this last night when we were I'm doing a D&D game that we're playing and Jess is is in it and uh, I found there was like it started off as a joke but people actually can do it there's a Muppet born race that you can do in D&D and <laughs> I I thought everyone would find that mildly amusing so we're playing against Muppet anyway and so <laughs> we're talking about it and I talked about that a little bit is how like like Gonzo in the original Muppet show. And I think the Muppet movie would clean toilets. He was a plumber. And then so Jason Siegel, because it's a giant love letter to the Muppets, he started off as the king of toiletries or something, the plumber or the toilet king. Oh, the, yeah. in that one. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the reason why, actually, is that's that is it's a nod to the original Muppet movie. And uh, apparently Frank Dave Goals didn't really seem to bob that didn't bother him. But Frank Oz was like, but you're missing the point of who Gonzo was. Jim would not be happy with this. And they asked his opinion. It wasn't just like he just said, I think this is shit. Uh, they asked him, would you consult on it? And he goes, I don't like this and this. Steve Whitmire, who plays Kermit, also apparently was did the same thing. He's like, Kermit would never act this way, yada, which is not true. Kermit is a real asshole if you watch The Muppet Show. Oh, Grant, he has to be. They're all crazy. He's being passive aggressive. He's passive aggressive. Yeah. He is. Well, like, I was complaining about how, or supposedly Whitmire was complaining about how, like, Kermit would never tell the Muppets off and then let them continue on their way. He would never leave the Muppets behind like he did in the Muppet movie where, and I'm just like, that's not entirely true. Like he, no, he kicks I, out of the, that movie, the Muppets. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Modern classic. Oh, I, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. And, but yeah, so Frank Oz apparent, and he's been very public too, that he didn't care for the, the new Muppets and he kind of did the whole Disney's just doing it to make money thing. But, but the, as long as the love of the characters are there and the fans are enjoying it, hopefully they'll go back and check out the real Muppets and the pro that's kind of how he was saying it. So Kyle's not wrong. Frank Oz has been kind of cruel to the new Ragtime, which is say, I don't think it's against the performers though, because he still hangs out with them and does documentaries and stuff. So. Well, then to be fair, I, I then saw knives out and the lawyer came in and i was like wait yeah like oh i thought he was like 40 years older than he actually was yeah frank oz but like based oh. on like again nick what you were saying based on how he talked about like the muppets and other stuff i was like all right old man and then like i saw knives out and i'm like oh you're not that old that's weird but whatever old man is in one of my favorite movies the blues brothers as himself he's a prison warden from god hell yeah i love the brute can i say that he also has the only good part of the sequel which is in the beginning and after that it's all downhill it's just horrible you know garbage dumpster fire which is it's the only emotional part of the movie where he's like not belushi because he's passed yes yeah, so i heard it yeah and he's just like what are you talking about and he's like oh you haven't heard or whatever and you're just like oh Oh, that's heartbreaking in context if you especially if you watch the first one because he was the warden that yeah but after that it's all done i think there's more good parts than that but i'll refocus this to be like what are your favorite mo moments of this movie and i mentioned this to nick already earlier today during the moment of one more sleep till christmas when kermit goes off screen and Bean is like Bean the bunny yes. is like shivering in a piece of newspaper <laughs> like 
I, I literally like there there are only a few moments of media that literally will make me cry anytime I see them. This is one of them. So because we were all talking, it was Kyle, my wife and I were talking before uh, Jess and Amanda came on before we started the movie and streamed it. My wife is with you emphatically 100%. She loves the bunny being the bunny. And I made a comment. I said, I'll hold off to talk about it here, which is it's not that the Muppet, uh, the Muppet performers hate being the bunny. Steve Whitmire actually enjoys playing being the bunny, which is also why being the bunny is, hasn't talked or been seen in a while because Steve Whitmire has gone unsadly too. But but being the bunny every anytime the muppet creators create a new cute character the performers tend to revolt and want to punish that muppet horribly until the next cute one comes along and there there always is another cute one that comes along and so when they apparently told michael kane to he has to throw the wreath out originally i think the script said you have to like throw it over him so it just falls around him and like kind of traps him but apparently all the performers were like no no we want you to fucking wing it at him and beat the shit out of him with it just because he's cute and he needs to get the shit kicked out of him it's a Whitmire's apparently Whitmire was like yeah I agree throw it at him it's a weird like a Muppet it's a weird troop thing that apparently they've always done since the Muppet show with Henson it's a Muppet hazing thing someone's just like yeah take that wreath and yeet it at him yeah and I think I think the article I think it was Woosley who shared the like the talk back about the movie. They were talking about, oh, being the bunny, that poor guy. He's so cute. We just beat the shit out of him in the production. Any chance we got, like if like he was supposed to run and supposed to hit Gonzo and Rizzo, like they made sure to really deck the puppet when he ran into him and stuff like that. And But apparently it's, yeah, it's so sad because Bean is adorable. While we're talking about production stuff, <laughs> I wanted to bring up, oh, Nick is intrigued. So I recently read, as I said, my brother and I were discussing uh, A Muppet Christmas Carol recently. And he was like, oh my God, the best part of this is Michael Caine because he fully commits and this movie would not work if he doesn't fully commit lo and behold like two days later i read an article where michael kane had said and let me see if i can pull up the oh, exact quote professional michael kane oh i love the muppets i love them all. so he he said i'm gonna play this movie like i'm working with the royal shakespeare company i will never wink i will never do anything muppety i'm going to play scrooge as if it is an utterly dramatic role and there are no puppets around me which is why this movie works so well because he straight up is playing against these puppets like they are royal shakespeare theater actors and i fucking love it well yeah. what was it the little boy when they in the flashback where he's a teenager and sam the eagle comes in and, and he's like yes headmaster like his look is just more like i'm fucking talking to a puppet like he it's not like a Shakespeare is being quoted. It's like straight up like, I'm fucking talking to Felt. Oh, yeah, yeah yes, that kid. Never can weigh. Oh, yeah. Did you guys hear me laugh at that? I laughed. Well, it's like, so the Kermit, the like, they're like, Kermit comes on stage and there's like a tiny child there. And he's like, hey, can you do your ABCs? And he's like, she's like, ABC, you are Cookie Monster. And like, it's literally Jim Henson in a Kermit puppet going. Yeah. And it's nice. wonderful. And that's why I love it. Well, that's one of the things I've heard is if people act like the puppet is the person, then it really works. Uh, when these small children, which is this child, and she's like, you can see her like looking down at like the person, you know, underneath the puppet. Kind of reminds me of how we're trained to talk to interpreter or talk with an interpreter. It's like the interpreter is the puppeteer. The interpreter is not real. 
you're talking to the person, even though this person over here is talking to you. That's like a deaf person. You're like, you're talking here. Like, they're here and they're signing and you're like, don't look at them. Don't look at them. Don't well, look at them. The nice thing is, too, is back then, I don't think they were as pop. I mean, they're popular, right? Uh, because Sesame Street's been on for years and the Muppets yeah. have been going on for years. But back then, I don't think they were... They hadn't hit mass yet, but one of the things that's interesting I... is that, again, this is like the 60s, 70s, like early version oh, of, yeah, okay. yeah, sorry, like when the little girl was talking with Jim Henson's as Kermit, that was literally like, Kermit was popular, I think, through the Jimmy Dean show with Rolf, but like, and I think kind of the Muppets, but it's not really like a, they're not what they are yet. Like the Muppet movie, I don't think has come out or, anyway, my timeline might be a little off, but the, the point was they're not as big yet, but at the same time, they, and I completely lost my thought. It was there. Puppets is other people oh oh yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah, uh, looking down at children hello thank you very much i remember now so drew mcweeney he is a current day uh, critic uh, he's no longer with hit fix he's now kind of doing his own thing because hit fix got shut down unfortunately if you like star wars he does a really good article called was it a movie geek 2.0 or whatever where his he introduces his kids to very popular movies like star wars back to the future whatever but he said one time i think one of the last muppet movies i think the muppets he brought his children in and the muppets have been around long enough that kids they might not know them but they know of them and it's a weird thing that they'll they know the puppeteer is now there but they don't really look at him anymore they look at the puppet yeah i've heard that and it and he said i it's weird when you do it, but you know you're doing it because, you know, you're kind of doing the song and dance because it's your job. But like my kids, like they know I interview famous people, but like they it's like they don't even recognize that the performers there. They truly are only seeing the Muppets. And I think back then when that little girl was doing that, that that little girl there, it wasn't as big as it was then to, you know what I mean? So she really was looking at Jim Henson and then looking at the puppet and like, you don't really know what she's thinking, so to speak, I guess. It's a weird, it's a very weird thing and it's really hard to do. But since the Muppets have been around long enough, like even if the performers are there, you know, you do, unless you're like the four of us who maybe give a shit about the production value kind of side of things, maybe you'll rewatch it and go, oh, how are they doing that? Or do they, you know, but if you're a kid, you're not paying attention to that at all. I w it was a weird tangent. I was getting, I got there, but I felt like it wasn't as worth it. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm just, I'm glad that we were able to discuss that because I think it makes a big difference in this movie, the way that Michael Caine interacts and yeah. that they are, they're, they're not Muppets. They're the characters. They're the actors he's acting against. And he, and he's great. He's great with that. Oh, yeah. Like, we've talked about this stuff before. That one thing that the thing that makes comedy work is taking it 100% seriously. Absolutely. And committing to it. Like, if you play it like you're in a comedy, it's going to be dumb. Yeah. Jessica, you and I were joking about like Michael Caine when he's with the ghost of Christmas present or whatever. Like, he does the weird like elbow dance where he's like, Duh, and like, he just like has these weird like, you know, dance moves that make no sense. But I wish we had a video of all of us elbow dancing right now. Like, if you've ever seen the movie, you know what we mean. You know what we mean. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think it's hard too because, and what's interesting about this is that, so in terms of comedy, when you perform comedy, you got to treat it very seriously. But what's hard is that the Muppets themselves, by default, without even talking, are comedy. They, they're silly creatures. Their existence. Yes, their it's existence funny. is just based on, because they're felt, technically. And that, by default, makes them already askew into possible comedyville. And so, like, but and I think maybe this ties into why Gonzo works so well. 
is that out of all the Muppets, one of the, again, I'm not trying to make the, the joke here, but like one of the more, you know what? I'm not going to do the joke. One of the more stranger of the Muppets and the one that tends to act strange is Gonzo. You know, he always does like the weird non sequiturs in the, in, in, in all the movies. And here you have him playing it straight, but in a weird Muppety Gonzo way, you but know, but he's, still is attracted to fowls well yeah of course he is this He's is Gonzo. another thing my brother and i have discussed a lot recently is how as the muppets have gone on we don't get to see his sexual attraction to chickens and other fowls as much but in this i like that there's still the line when rizzo falls down and he's like oh i was you know, fell and fell onto a hot goose. Gonzo's like, oh, you get all the best things or whatever. Like, he, he, he still likes some birds. Fuzzy Wig's party, Camilla walks by and he's like, oh. It's like a frozen recipe. He's like, oh my God. <laughs> which I want to bring this up just because yeah. I've seen it on TikTok, which is an app I'm way too old to be on. Yeah, uh, there's plenty of people. Jessica sends me videos all the time. And I send Jessica videos way too much. But <laughs> I'm like, you sent one to both of us earlier today. Yes, I did. So my favorite though is like recently someone has started like being like oh hey what are movies that exist say like clueless this is not a good example but like clueless the movie how would you cast this with uh muppet characters yeah that was a whole thing on twitter a couple years ago actually like somebody somebody did a really good job with fan of the opera and somebody said fan of the opera like how carlotta would be camilla the chicken so (laughs) the actual phantom would be beaker (laughs) that's really good so when that chat was happening it was one of those scenes where i was trying not to unfortunately read the chat too often just because yeah. I was losing track of the movie a little bit. But when I did look <laughs> at it, I the first and I know that the Phantom of Paradise is based after Phantom of the Opera, but when you said yeah. Beaker, just because Beaker looks so weird in general, mm-hmm. I didn't think of Phantom of the Opera. I thought you literally said the Phantom of Paradise. And I was like, oh yeah, that's fucking brilliant. The Phantom of the Paradise is based on Phantom of the Opera. Right, exactly. Exactly. I mean, it, there's some minor differences, like, you know, the devil's involved and that kind of thing. But yeah. no, I know. And also, but I thought this is the other reason too. I thought you said that and I misread that as Phantom of Paradise and not Phantom of the Opera mm-hmm. is also because Paul Williams, who is the devil and Phantom of Paradise, Paradise wrote, came back and wrote the music for Muppet Christmas Carol and did a fucking bang up job, man. Like Paul Williams. Okay. He found whatever your thoughts on. Well, careful. I have to be careful with this in terms of like your thoughts on Chris Hardwick aside, his interview with Paul Williams, where they talk about, yeah, how he rhymed with Scrooge. Cause he's, he, and it's, it's hard work. So he does the whole Fonz over him thing, but like he gets Williams to tell him, well, you know, I, my wife was putting on rouge and, I couldn't think of a word to rhyme with Scrooge. And then I found this and I'm like, who the fuck finds Rouge with Scrooge? Well, Paul Williams does because yeah. he's Paul Oscar Williams. Paul Williams. Yeah. Oh my God. Paul Williams is amazing. I, yeah. And I don't love the two other songs that got cut of the movie. I was glad they got cut, which is like the Sam, the Eagle song. And there was a beaker and Henson or honeydew song. They're not bad. It's just that, but like the rest of them, like it just, I don't know. He writes for the Muppets so well. He has like a nice charm to when he writes songs for them. I mean, the Muppet movie itself is just really good. Yeah. He wrote a song that anytime I hear it, I cry. Yeah. And Rainbow Connection. I seriously, I can just hear the little and I'm just like tears. Like their first dance song in a wedding. And I was like, okay, Nick about this. But did I tell you about I was best man in a wedding based on 
Kermit and Miss Piggy's wedding. I knew about this. It's, it was so good. My friends who are parents of my goddaughter roped a whole bunch of us into doing this. And like several people had to sing the somebody's getting married. Somebody's getting, somebody's getting married. And they like played up on the screen in the church, like all the Muppets coming in and sitting down for the that, that, that. quotes from the movie. And he was so fucking good. Like, I don't know what's happening. Oh, so good. I, yeah. Wonderful. Well, so if for all you Muppet fans out there and for you guys who haven't seen it, Frank Oz did a documentary called Muppet Guys Talking, where it's uh, him, the guy who plays Pepe the Prawn, whose name escapes me, and I'm sorry, the girl who played Prairie Dawn on Sesame Street. She's technically been with the Henson Company for years, even though it became Sesame Street. And then, and Jerry Nelson, who uh, I think right after they finished filming passed away, but it's them just sitting down and talking about their time and the most excruciating apparent, apparently the most excruciating thing ever. And Jim Henson would never complain about it, but you could tell he was in pain was during Rainbow Connection. They actually went to a swamp filled, like he got in a tank, his knees were up to his elbows and he had like a breathing apparatus with the microphone on and case water started filling in and he was there for like six seven hours he oh was yeah i about this like he had like a bubble yeah it was like a little bubble and so that's literally him in a swamp if, if you think about the original muppet movie like it literally starts above cloud and goes down and like takes its freaking time to like kermit and he's like there you could not pay me enough money to do that yeah well and now this is where because i think it, that story comes up because frank oz talks about how because the guy who plays pepe the prom was like hey is this true or not is during the scene where i'm going to go back there someday uh, apparently it's a campfire scene well they took a page from what's his name from citizen kane orson wells they dug a big fucking ditch in the middle of the ground sat the camera down below and then but then made the ditch a wider even still so they could get the camera in there but then they filled it back up with dirt in the center was a propane tank and then the muppet performers underneath the ground and frank looked at apparently jim and was just like jim what if the propane tank goes up like we're, we're all dead it'll be fine just let's perform and like not pay me enough that right like like I could maybe see myself finagling my mind to do the campfire scene because apparently they did have plenty of leg room in the pit, but it was just more the fact that it was a very, they didn't have a lot of money to make sure it was a hundred percent super safe. And that's where I go. Eh. But yeah, I know. Yeah. The swamp thing I definitely couldn't do. It's, but if you get a chance, that documentary is really good. Well, it's not like a normal documentary. It's just them thinking about their stories of Jim Henson and their time. And but it's really good because you also get like, oh, and Dave Goals, uh, who plays Gonzo, is in there too. So you get like a weird breath of all the different performers and the ages of the Jim Henson Company. So it's really interesting. But those were because I love Rainbow Connection, too. I don't. I, and I love the reprise that they do at the very end of the movie, but you have to get through Magic Shop to get to it, which Magic Shop is good, but I don't love it. I just love the reprise, which I can't think of off the top of my head, which makes me feel sad. But but yeah, I, I adore Rainbow Connection. It, it too makes me cry. In a choir last year, and or I guess technically earlier this year, you know, this year, the longest year known to man. Well, like, I guess that was only 10 months ago. It feels like well, technically several... the year's almost over by the time we're recording this. So you're not wrong to feel that way. And also it's, it is the longest year from hell. Yes. So. But I had to sing Rainbow Connection and not cry on stage every time I sang it. It was difficult. 
that's hard, man. It's really hard when a song is emotionally connected to you and you got to try to sing it or perform it on some level. I don't, you know, my, when my grandmother passed away, there was a weird connection with that song and her. And I don't know why my brain associates, same thing with Mickey Christmas Carol, weirdly enough, the opening song. Oh, what a wonderful Christmas day that I, I will ball. Like I even like maybe like two notes into the song. I just start losing it. Yeah. It's a weird thing. And I think of my grandma and, and but and so you make that inter interesting connection either or just because it's just beautiful and it just touches you on just a general level it rainbow connection is definitely one of those it's really hard because they do the uh, cancer cabaret at mad lab and every year i do think for a second i'm going to sing rainbow connection and i know i would not get through it it would be very bad for me and everybody oh we can just cry together nick yeah <laughs> no well, I'll cry well it's already bad enough because i am apparently was it our he doesn't do the show often unfortunately but our friend dallas they were doing like the in memoriam part and uh, no like i would i keep bugging dallas to come do the show and uh, dallas is like i'm busy i will do your <laughs> show eventually but i'm busy i that's the one thing i can do good <gasps> is i can mimic dallas oh my god are you serious but i'm busy I left my body. <laughs> but I remember he was standing next to me because when we reform, we would all go around the front so we could watch the In Memoriam or watch upcoming acts, not just that. But the In Memoriam came up and Dallas was next to me. And like two songs into the, and two notes into the song that was being performed. And it hadn't even got to any people that I know yet in the thing. And I was just like, ah! And Dallas was like, ah! word pat i felt really bad for him because you know you know because we've known each other for a while and he's like oh i wasn't expecting this like poor guy but yeah it's the yeah man when a song hits you it hits you but it would yeah, yeah. all right so final thoughts <laughs> yes well, can I talk about real quick too? Well, two of the things, sorry, Kyle, is actually one of these, actually, I think both of you, both of these things you brought up in terms of a layman, who would you choose? Would you, in terms of the old guard or the new guard, would you have Walter from the newer Muppets or would you have Robin who is Kermit's nephew actually? Well, Walter is like, I feel like the new layman for the, the newer Muppets, like the Muppets from the Jason Siegel Muppet from like, 2011 i don't know yeah 2011 2012 yeah 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 like walter he's fine i like it it's okay he's not my favorite and that's okay yeah well i just thought that was interesting because that is a good point is that in terms of that kind of character it probably would be like honestly if they redid muppet christmas carol today which by the way i hope they never do yeah, but if no. they would have happened no. to have done it i think fred would have been played by walter no yeah, he'd been fine like i, I like honestly I, like I don't want anything different. I just. Oh, no, I, you were just bringing up an interesting point. And I was like, that is a good point because I feel like they would have done something. Yeah, kind of the new Robin. Yeah. And then the last thing I, well, uh, that you brought up, I thought it was you, it might've been Jess, was the Muppet Lord of the Rings, like the casting, which it kind of <laughs> got into. Would watch 100%. Now, would Jess, you use... tell us your, what's your casting? Tell us. Yeah, 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 please. Well, Rizzo would obviously be a Hobbit. I mean. For your Pippin though. Ooh. So be the other one. One, whoever Rizzo isn't probably Rizzo might have to be Marion Pippin. God, would Gonzo? No, wait, would Gonzo? The rest are rats. Would Gonzo, Gonzo be Frodo though? I feel like Gonzo might be Frodo. Gonzo would have to be like a main. Yeah, Frodo's a little too. He'd be Samwise probably. I Samwise because so he would do that thing where he's playing against type, which is you expect him to be. Oh, it would be from Kermit. I feel like Samwise would be. Yeah, you know, actually, now that I'm Amanda, now that Amanda said that, I, I also, yeah, she might be right. I think it might be Fozzie and Kermit would be Frodo and, and Sam. But no. that makes me sad, though, because I feel like the mains are 
always like not Muppets, but the the mains are always like people. You know what I mean? Or uh, you know, the ego could be Haldir. <laughs> or how about how about this? You just you bring back Elijah Wood and Sean Astin, and then you have yeah, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Wait, wait, let's cast around them though. Okay, yeah. So who would, who would Miss Piggy would be? Oh, yes. Because she can be all like, she can be like, I am the wonderful queen. I feel like Kermit would be. Elrond? Unless Kermit was Aragorn and Arwen was Piggy, if we wanted them to stay together. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely be entirely necessary because I think Miss Piggy would be really funny as. Actually, I yeah, I'm going to see. I'm going to stick with Gladriel because it's, it's just funnier. You get more play. But I mean, and also you could have Kermit still be an elf, too. So there's some kind of a thing going on with like if he plays Elrond. Yeah. Head of the council. Ozzy would be. Oh God. Would he be Gimli? He's maybe Ralph would be Gimli or Surly. You know, sometimes. Yeah. Well, the the problem is you need whoever Gimli is. It's going to tie into Legolas because you need them to feed off of each other like really well. Maybe that's Gonzo and Rizzo. Maybe because they do have like a weird back and forth, and Rizzo's super small, and then Gimli would be Gimli would be. Oh God, I can't remember his name. The big Muppet who's like super like. Oh, Sweetums. Sweetums. Sweetums, right? Oh, my God. Yeah, I love that puppet. I once worked with a woman who was the human embodiment of Sweetums. Awesome and terrifying. Oh, Sweetest Chef. He randomly shows up out and about, and he's like, Brad. No, he'd be Pippi or Marin. Pippin or Marin, I'm sorry. I'm going to go to a weird place with this. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say he he would be worm tongue. Then you could have this weird thing like maybe whatever it is, it's like they're going to kill a crop or something. And that's when he realizes he should turn on whatever. And he's like, Bergy Burger. And then he tries to, you know, kill Sora. <laughs> have to be a human being. Yeah. Or you know what? Bring Legolas back. Uh, what's his name? Back as Legolas. Or that seems. Know. Yeah. There always needs to be a human or two. Yeah. So we well, already have Sean. We can have that BDE going on the way Orlando Bloom can. Come on. Uncle Dudley. Yeah. Okay. Well, wait a minute. So. Sean Bean. Oh, you know what? Fuck it. You should just bring Sean Bean back too, so he can die. All of the so main, even better. Sean Bean back in a role he's he didn't die in. Just a the whole fellowship uh, is their original actors, and everyone else is a Muppet. Okay, okay. And we get to keep Piggy as Galadriel. I like yeah. that. Yeah, Swedish Chef. I'm. It, it will be Worm Tongue, which is a weird choice. Yeah. Eowyn. Is that a uh, Janice? It's fine. I haven't watched it in years, but I swear to God, the last time I watched Muppets Take Manhattan, Janice has my favorite, and it's also one of the dirtiest jokes in any of the Muppets shows or movie that I can think of, which is it's the scene where they're looking for Kermit, and they're in the diner, and all the rats and the pigs, all the Muppets are there talking and doing their Muppet thing, and the guy goes quiet, everybody quiet, let's just shh, and the last person you hear is Janice, and I think Janice makes like a weird like gangbang joke, like, and that's when I said I will only handle two of you at one. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yes, it's I didn't get that wording right, but it's something very like sexual and very like it's like. Oh my god, that is amazing. I would never pick yeah. up on that as a child. The band could all be the Nazgul. Oh. Well, okay, so like, who's no going? Have we figured that out? Would we keep Ian McKellen as Gandalf? I mean, he's up in years. Okay. Well, that's what I was saying. Like, he is the Fellowship, so there's a part of me that feels like Kermit would be Gandalf, though, for some weird reason. 
You know what? I feel like we would really need to keep like the original fellowship. We would need to You're keep right. Elijah and we would need to keep all of them and we would yeah. cast all the other tiny roles around them. Yeah, that's and that's hard too. I mean, think and, I mean like did. Aramir. Who could be gone? Animal. Oh my gosh. Well, everybody, I, I don't even think we have to talk about the Muppet Christmas Carol movie anymore because <laughs> it's very obvious that like we need to now work on the Muppet Lord of the Rings because <laughs> it's developing. Is it? Amazon or Netflix, one of them is trying Amazon. to this is a series. And I'm like, first of all, why I love the movies. Second, make it You know what? Uh, apparently Gatsby, the great Gatsby is like entering into the fucking public domain in a year. Yes. Next year. Oh, we have this. We got- Gatsby, the, the great Muppet Gatsby. Oh my God. Gonzo Gatsby. Oh my. See, it's writing itself right there. <laughs> and he's in love with Piggy and like in the Muppet Babies. And- oh my God. Gonzo instead of Jay Gats. Walter a new role to be not Nick, but oh god, what was fucking Toby? What's the narrator guy? What's the actual actor's name though? Spider Man, the original Spider Man. Come on, (laughs) Kyle. No, I'm kidding. I'm sorry. You know what, Nick? If in the new Spider Man there isn't like a fucking like role of the two of them like or three of them, I'm sorry, pointing at each other, I will quit cinema. Yeah. They did that joke in Into the Spider-Verse, though. Oh, I know. It's one of the best. But can I just say, though, it makes me sad that Tobey Maguire passed on that. I think they they offered it to him, and he passed on it. Oh, did he? Right. He did. Baby, boss baby. Wait, wait. Maguire's in Boss Baby? The narrator, Nick. I hate that movie. They're making a sequel to that piece of shit. They have a television show on Netflix. But what I'm hearing is like, we need to get hired by Disney. We oh, need to yes, that's, what, I, that's, that's what we're hearing. This episode, I need you to tag Disney and tell them to hire all of us to work for Jim Henson <laughs> Studio. We got you, Disney. We got you. We you, bring them you, you want to talk to Josh Gad? We love Josh Gad, but fuck Josh Gad. We can bring them up. It's back. Yeah. Stop it. We don't need Josh Gad. We don't. We don't. In the fifth grade, I started a club of four of us who watched walked home from school after school and that's inherent to the sentence but we all picked muppet characters and wrote our names and our muppet name (laughs) on a board on my fort in my dad's backyard you had a muppet club great yeah oh my god that's actually that's cool I didn't have that. I am a giant nerd. Can I just bring it back to Muppet Christmas Carol? There are a few things I wanted to mention. Please do. Okay. One, I just want to bring up that when Rizzo kisses Gonzo's nose, it is an epic moment in cinema. Love it. Yes. Two, Ghost of Christmas Past. Pure nightmare fuel. My mother thinks that she's cute. She is wrong. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's basically, you said it looks like the baby from, someone did, a Twilight movies. Someone said that. Why not? Where is it? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I apologize. Amanda, you have a very good point. Okay. Second, love ghosts, or I guess I'm on third now. Ghost of Christmas, present, adore him. The way, the texture of his beard, and as it goes from red to slightly gray to full on gray, it's amazing. Like you can see it flowing in the wind. I love it. I don't know what. Oh. Just because I you're saying talking about him, can I just say one of my favorite bits of acting when I watched it? I I, I always see it, but it's the silent nod that he does, and it's kind of like a shake with the eyes and the the head. So it's good puppetry, mm-hmm. it's good acting. Where he goes, what is that time? Something happens. Is the child sick? And he just does like a quiet like yeah, but he doesn't say anything. Yeah. It's just brilliant. 
So sorry. I also love hearing his song when the cat meows. The Ghost of Christmas Future is scary, but not as scary as the one in Mickey's Christmas Carol to me because that one literally Scrooge McDuck is like thrown into a grave and hell happens. And then also one of my favorite moments as we were watching this all together is that I do arm movements throughout the entire movie, generally every time I watch it. And Kyle did all of the same ones at the same time. And it brought me great joy. That's amazing. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. oh my God. Yeah. I adore this movie. Like I'm glad that when I met my wife, it was a thing where we have to watch them up at Christmas Carol because Mm -hmm. my life, feels very fulfilled by doing that every year no matter what's going on or whatever it it just adds something and i think that's nice too is that what dickens wrote was really trying to and i think that's why it's so well it's so well loved and it's so easy to try to duplicate is that it's just trying to boil down the essence of that christmas time it might not symbolize what some people would like it to anymore but it symbolizes the one time of the year that for the most part people tend to be treat other human beings with decent decency respect and love and there's something to say about that i think and i think that the fact that the muppets themselves are a weird embodiment a comical embodiment of that and then they're trying to tell the same story it's something very interesting well yeah i would say like nick i don't know everyone else here what is it about like this movie that makes it the best adaptation for you i really do feel like it's the performance of kane and how i don't know it's a weird thing that it it has a semblance of the book in it that Mm -hmm. flows through it and it makes it feel like it's the book even though there's some muppet stuff going on like it it doesn't feel that way though at the same time it just it feels like a, a very faithful adaptation and it's and i don't know every time i watch other versions of like i love mickey christmas carol it's my number two pick if i had to do like a top five or whatever but at the end of the day you're kind of banking on knowing what the story is in that one and knowing scrooge mcduck this one is like you're banking everything on how kane is playing scrooge and it's that's it for me i like yeah michael kane amazing i love the songs i really love marley and marley like they're so great and they get the like their whole you know, plot point across and it's like, we were really fucking terrible and we're not really sorry about it. But if you don't want to end up like we did, like we are right now, you should fix it. I love that they just, they're like, we're just here to warn you, but we don't really give a fuck that we were bad. And then I really like the, it feels like Christmas song because I think that's something that anyone who celebrates Christmas can relate to is like Christmas is, at least for me growing up, Christmas was happy. And it is like, oh, when these happy things happen, it feels like Christmas because Christmas for us, it's usually just, it was just happiness. No matter what else was going on, it was we're all together and we're doing nice things for each other. And that is the feeling that you can carry with you all the time. Like if you have nice Christmases, like not everybody does, but and not to say they aren't stressful or whatever, but the happy feeling you get on Christmas is something. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird thing. And to go into that, I think it's the one reason why tie it back to why I like the bless us all part is that there still is a semblance that that in Christmas time he's still finding joy because things aren't great for Tiny Tim but like he's yeah. I think that's a weird reason why like as I get older as each year I get even a little bit older that song I get, it hits me more in the feels than it used to when I was younger and watched it because I'm not gonna lie the first time I saw it I was kind of with everybody or a few other people where I was just like let's just cut it it's kind of slowing things down and now I'm just like you can't skip that song but anyway I also uh, think it's really funny that 
a Christmas Carol is basically responsible for us still having Christmas. Like that's true. It's Christmas I, yeah. pretty much going out of fashion because nobody had any time to do it. And then it's like, oh, here's this thing. And it also this makes things make sense of like certain Christmas carols where you're like, mm, nobody tells ghost stories. Oh, some random thing I just thought of. There is a and I, I apologize. There is a I wanted to say this earlier and I forgot. When we were watching it, the whole line about you might be an undigested piece of beef or cheese or whatever. About a month or two ago, Sarah and I watched a documentary called The Food That Built America or uh, That America Built or whatever. And each episode, it's about an hour and a half long. And they talk about like the Heinz Corporation, Hershey, and a few other places. They talk about though, ketchup was created because like when they would do meat would spoil all the time and it would be disgusting. Mm -hmm. And then I started thinking like, how the fuck did we survive this long as a human race when our beef is being like back in, you know, jolly old London during Scrooge's time, like you would get deathly sick and start seeing shit because you would eat bad beef. And so, and, and I remember growing up, I was like, that line is weird. Why would you see ghosts? Because you eat something strange. Like there's the old Garfield joke. Like I shouldn't have ate that spoiled mayonnaise in the fridge or whatever he says to Garfield, but it made no sense to me now. And now when I saw that, I was like, oh shit, that line actually means it makes way more sense to me as an adult knowing that. But that was it. That was a weird little factoid. But was there anything else, Jess, that you were thinking of that you, because I went on a weird tangent there? No, No, I just really like it. It makes me happy. All right. Amanda. Which also makes me happy. I'm with you. Michael Caine's performance, I think, really makes it shine. I think the joy of the Muppets and the joy that they bring to everything that they're a part of just... Yeah. And it's heartwarming, the whole thing. And like I messaged to you guys when we were watching, one of my life goals is to be at the end of a Muppet movie, swaying with the Muppets and singing along because it's just beautiful. Love it. I want to be there. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I think that's everything that we have to say about anything about Muppets, I would say, too, for right now. Did I not get to get you on Treasure Island another time? I'm totally good with that. I'm totally good with Tim- that. Yes. But yeah, so uh, does anyone have, because I forgot this last time, does anyone have anything they would like to plug? Just FYI, I don't know when this will be out, so keep that in mind too. I have several podcasts, but the one that's most active right now is, weirdly, my food podcast, Pot Appetit. We're even like part of a network and shit. It's real weird. And uh, yeah, you can find us at pod underscore appetite a lot of different places and uh, check it out. We talk about food media currently when we're recording, we're covering great British bake off, but we've got lots of fun. So I can I just point out that my editor will, he loves your guys' show. Matter of fact, when he, he did one of those weird things, he's like, wait, Amanda on the show. She sounds familiar. Is she the one that's on pot appetite? I was like, yeah, he's like, Oh my, oh my God. God really? I love. Yes. Yes. He, <laughs> he loves your guys' show. Yes. It was awesome. It was really cool. So uh, yeah. But Jess, do you have anything you would like to, to plug my dear? Well, by the time this comes out, I don't know, maybe go to madlab.net, I guess, to see if anything's happening at that point in time. Some of Amanda's podcasts and Nick's podcasts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, if you want to listen to some of my other podcasts, Kyle and Jessica and Nick have all been on them. Just go to yeah. amandaagogo.com. Is uh, the link to the pot appetite on that website as well or no it is it's okay. in also hosted by amanda and there should be a link to gotcha i'll include a link to pot appetite anyway but i'll remember to include that in the show notes as well yeah cool, cool. all right well thank you guys all very much the good the bad and the geeky is presented by d4k studios executive producer is nick argenbright 
Co-producers are Ashley Carlson and Catherine Ranella. The Good, the Bad, and the Geeky is also made possible by our Kickstarter backers. To see our backers, check out our show notes over at gbgpodcast.com. Our theme and end credit tracks for The Good, the Bad, and the Geeky are by chiptune artist Hide Your Tigers. You can check out their music by going to hideyourtigers.bandcamp.com. We also feature the track from Futurama, The Devil's Hands Are Idle Playthings, an arrangement by our own Nathan Haley. If you enjoy our program, be sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and to leave a review or subscribe to wherever podcasts are streamed. Get out of here without cheese! You're a creep! Go away! We're having a good time until you start up, cheapers! Go have some coffee with cream or something! Because I'll tell you something! This is a happy place!